This is Focal Point for Thursday the 28th of May 2009. We're talking about microblogging and Twitter. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you going? Very well, thanks Gihan. How are you? I'm happy. I'm looking forward to flying tomorrow to Prague to work there for a month. Yeah, we're both headed overseas. I'm headed uh, not so far afield. I'm going to Rottnest tomorrow, <laughs> so it's only a few kilometres overseas. But yes, and I'll be back well before you, so our next podcast will be uh, from opposite sides of the planet. That's right. So we will definitely attempt to do a podcast while I'm in Prague, and we'll see how that works. Excellent. So do you remember, Chris, in the good old days when we were studying at university, when we first started using the internet, when memory was scarce and disk space was scarce and you couldn't send email with attachments because attachments took up a lot of space and it took a long time to go over the internet and we would spend all our time trying to make our program code as small as possible so that it would fit into the smallest amount of memory. Those were the good old days, weren't they? I have vague recollections of those times, Gihan. They were a long time ago, after all. (laughs) And young people these days don't know how good they have it. They don't. They just attach megabytes of video and audio files and they're transferring files across the internet and they're just, they're complaining when it takes 20 minutes to get across. Um, But the reason I'm talking about this is not just because I'm reminiscing about the bad old days, but because now we've got this new phenomenon called Twitter where again people are working really hard to send messages and fit within 140 characters. Yes, it's come full circle. Everyone's trying to uh, be as brief and concise as, uh, as possible, but it's not for the same reason as the bad old days when, when uh, we had a scarcity of resources. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, like Twitter is the, the, the big, I guess, the big buzz at the moment, and a lot of people wonder what's the, what's the point of it, and some people get on there, they try it out, and they still wonder what's the point of it. So today we thought we'd just shed a little bit of light on that and what Twitter is, how to make use of it, and how it can help you both in your personal life and even in your professional life. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. And I think uh, we can start, Gihan, by um, comparing it with email, since you uh, mentioned email and attachments a moment ago. That's a, a good starting point. Yeah, okay, so I've run a couple of workshops about Twitter, and the way I start to explain it to people is to say to them, look, forget about Twitter and imagine if you were sending email. Every time you had something to say, you sent it to everybody in your address book. Now, I'm not suggesting we do that, and we're certainly not recommending that you do that, but why wouldn't you do that? And I think the reason would be, well, I came up with five reasons why you wouldn't do that. So one is not everybody in your address book wants everything. Secondly, it just fills up their inbox, so you know it's already bad enough when you go away for a week's holiday and you come back and you find your inbox full. Well, that would be even worse then. Uh, if you're sending email messages, people are already too busy trying to read lots of emails, so now you've, the messages are, are long. Um, the fourth reason is that it, it gets mixed up with important email because there may be something that they have to take action on and then they're reading your random thoughts as well. Um, and of course the final thing is that it's difficult for people to say no thanks, I don't want to get those anymore. They can't opt out themselves. So those are five reasons why you wouldn't just every time you have a random thought send it to everybody in your email address book. Now the good thing about Twitter is that it solves all those five problems. So The first one was that not everybody wants it. Well, with Twitter, only the people who follow you, that's a Twitter term, will get 
whatever you send out to them. The second thing I mentioned, it fills up your inbox. With Twitter, it doesn't. It doesn't get full. You only get to see what, what you're looking at at the time that you're using Twitter. So what happens in the past, you just miss. You can get it later if you want to go back to it, but most of the time you don't worry about it. So you don't worry about clogging up people's inbox. Uh, messages aren't big because, as we mentioned at the start, they're, they're pretty short, and you have to fit every message into 140 characters, so roughly 25 words. Um, it doesn't get mixed up with email because it operates completely separately and you don't have this opt-out problem where people can't choose to stop getting your stuff. If they don't like it, they just opt out. Everything's done by permission. That's a, a good contrast with email. And it's also referred to as a kind of micro-blogging here. So it's, we've talked about blogging in the past. Uh, the difference with Twitter in and where the micro part of micro-blogging comes from is, as you mentioned before, each blog posting is a maximum of 140 characters, so they're small blog posts. Um, in fact, with Twitter, they're referred to as tweets, so each of your tweets, each of your posts is only 140 characters long. Yeah, and I think that's good and bad, Chris. So one of the advantages of that is that if all you want to do is send somebody a link to an article that you read which you think is really useful or a video that you saw on YouTube or just something that you thought about, it's really easy to do. And you don't have to put all the thought and the discipline into writing a a blog post, even a couple of paragraphs worth. That's the positive side of it. The negative side is that because it's easy for everyone to do, everybody's doing it, and you don't always get quality. So it has pros and cons, and that's one of the reasons why there's like there's some research recently that said that up to 60% of people who start using Twitter never use it again, so they just give up. Right, okay. Now, the, the other aspect of um, Twitter is uh, a social networking aspect. You mentioned that um, you can follow other people um, and they can follow you. So with a standard blog, you can subscribe to the blog's web feed, and indeed you can do that with someone's Twitter account. I can follow uh, your web feed on Twitter if I want to, but in addition to following a web feed, you can follow that person's uh, uh, tweets and then when you visit the Twitter homepage, then you will see all of the tweets to, from all of the um, uh, Twitter accounts that you're following. Uh, it is another one of the social networks that are out there, and there are things like MySpace and Facebook, there are LinkedIn, Twitter, and you may even wonder why there are so many of them and which ones you should use. Yeah, that's right. So in this vast social networking landscape, where does Twitter fit in? Is there a particular niche that it satisfies and, uh, and that in some way determines the way in which we can use Twitter? Well, the way that, the way that I look at it is you look at your various circles of friends. So you, your family might be really close to you uh, and there might be the people that you, in real life I'm talking about, there might be the people that you share with the closest and then there might be close friends in there and then you get to another level of friends and then you have perhaps business colleagues and then you have acquaintances and you know, Chris, you'd be somewhere in the outer reaches of my circle of friends somewhere. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. Very wide orbit. Outside the circle. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so I look at it as saying, okay, well, when you when you use any of these social networks, you have to make a choice. So, who are you going to include, and which circle of friends or acquaintances are you going to have? So, I would I would look at MySpace and Facebook as being for personal family and friends, a small circle of people around you, um, maybe your professional colleagues as well. Although that is generally for a slightly wider circle, where you might use something like LinkedIn which is specifically designed for a wider circle. So it's designed for business and professional networking. And then Twitter is wider again. So anyone can follow you. 
and you can follow anyone. So it's much less restrictive in terms of who you can choose, who are going to the people you're going to uh, follow you and be your followers. So you have to be a bit more careful about what you say there and about perhaps what photos you post of yourself. Uh, with Twitter compared to some something like Facebook where you can choose to keep it very tight and close-knit. So I think that's the main difference. Think about them as being different circles of friends and influence and that determines what sort of what sort of information you'd share about yourself. Okay, right. So as you said earlier, Twitter is uh, sort of a big buzz on uh, the internet at the moment in, in social networking as well. Um, and a lot of people are using Twitter, including uh, yourself and myself. I'm relatively new to it, and you've been using it uh, for some time longer, um, as well as uh, personalities and organisations and politicians, um, old and young alike. Um, perhaps we can talk about some of the people who are using Twitter gear. Yeah, well, one of the one of the people who did use it very, very effectively was Barack Obama when he was Senator Barack Obama before he became President Barack Obama, and that was one of the things that he used: uh, Twitter and SMS and a lot of these Web 2.0 or new technologies in order to get himself elected or in order to get the Democrats to get Obama elected, and he used it very well at that time. But do you think that that's changed a little bit now? Yes, I didn't see um, much of Obama's work on Twitter prior to his election. I did read that he used Twitter um, and various other, I think Facebook as well, to announce uh, Joe Biden was going to be his running mate. But uh, visiting Obama's um, Twitter feed uh, at the moment, it's pretty bland. It's all simply, uh, it sounds very much like just links to press releases. So President Obama has announced several billion dollars to be spent on Project X, Y or Z, then a link to that particular press release. So there's no real personality or, or, or engagement uh, in the, the tweets that you see on President Obama's Twitter feed at the moment. So he's probably changed approaches since uh, gaining their presidency. So, Chris, maybe that's just a reflection of what he sees as the status of the, the presidency. So maybe the president of the United States, it's not appropriate for him to be saying, OMG for oh my god or ROTFL for rolling on the floor <laughs> laughing. <laughs> whereas, whereas as a senator, he may have thought that's kind of more appropriate and that kind of connects me more to the people. But even if he wants to say stuff like that, maybe he feels it's not appropriate. And I think we've seen even in Australia politicians like um, Kevin Rudd, the Prime Minister, and Malcolm Turnbull, the leader of the opposition, they are both fairly active users of Twitter, but they tend to be pretty boring and bland as well. They are, and I think, uh, I think that provides us a bit of insight into Kevin and Malcolm themselves, That's the kind of personalities they have, or lack of personality. Um, but nonetheless, the style of their tweets, and I'm not, a, I'm not assuming that uh, they're actually posted by Kevin and Malcolm themselves, but rather um, they're, they're a bit more personal and uh, engaging rather than just being... Um, Kevin did this today, here's a link to it and a press release associated with it. It's more, you know, I'm getting ready for question time or I've been, I've been visiting some people in WA talking about so-and-so. So they're a little bit more personal and engaging. And that's the style that um, you expect from most of uh, the people operating on Twitter. Well, I think that's one of the one of the problems that big organisations, whether they're corporations or government organisations or political parties, have, is that it's very hard for people to have a personal style and to to express that. In fact, in organisations, quite often, if you have a personal style, you're discouraged from expressing it publicly because it might conflict with the brand or, or conflict with the, the public messages that are being put out by that organisation. So, I think it's quite difficult if you're a senior politician. 
in a in a position of importance to to tweet with with personality and style. It's almost it's almost impossible. The, the two things are almost mutually incom- incompatible. Right. Yeah. Well, they're trying. Very trying. <laughs> Um, so there's an article in the Herald Sun saying that you know Kevin Rudd is a boring twit, um, but I think they would have said the same of any prime minister, and you can certainly say that they would have said the same of John Howard, <laughs> because they certainly did when he tried to do the he tried to do the same thing with YouTube. We tried to get onto YouTube, but what he provided was a boring, bland, not at all engaging YouTube video. And I think Kevin Rudd's doing exactly the same thing on Twitter. It's just a different networking tool, but it's exactly the same uh, in terms of the outcome. Right, yes. Although I think the Herald Sun say that Kevin Rudd's a boring tweet <laughs> most weeks anyway. Yes, that's right, exactly. They said <laughs> if, the, if you thought the real Kevin Rudd was boring, you should see the cyber version. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, I think it's very hard for someone like that to, to produce something with personality. And, and the same is true of other celebrities who've tried to do this. So Oprah Winfrey had this competition to try and get two million followers first, and she got it. Mm-hmm. But she, she got the followers, but she doesn't get Twitter. So the, the first tweet or one of the first tweets she sent out was in all capital letters. And uh, I think it's Shaquille O'Neal, who actually does get it and use it very well, replied to her gang, hey, Oprah, you've got your caps lock on. <laughs> Um, And, you know, it was just done for PR purposes and promotional purposes, not for the purpose for which it was intended. Okay. And someone else that we're both following is Zaj Barker. So he posts, he's very prolific in his posting to Twitter. He probably tweets a bit too much for my liking. But nonetheless, they're they're very insightful into what he's actually doing. And uh, some of them are uh, classic Zaj Barker humour as well, which is why I'm following him. Yeah, that's right. And the thing with someone like Arj Barker is a comedian, so people like to follow what he says, and he's got an advantage because he can he can tweet funny things. But equally, he actually builds up a band of loyal followers. And I noticed a couple of couple of weeks ago, he's tweeting about something, saying, oh, "I'm going to come to Melbourne or Sydney or something," and he asked for help with something. And that's the sort of thing that people can do. They build up this this loyalty, and they give, give, give. And so when people when they ask, it's fine. People are happy to help out. So I'm sure that he would have got some volunteers helping him with some backstage staff or whatever it was. Maybe finding a nice restaurant or recommending a nice restaurant. Whereas you you kind of be more reluctant to do that if Kevin Rudd PM sent a tweet saying, hey, I'm coming to Perth, can anyone recommend a nice restaurant or can anyone help me back <laughs> a room? Several recommendations. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so should we talk a little bit about how to actually use Twitter? We've talked about what it is and who is using Twitter. Should we talk about how it's used? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So um, the, the thing that I think most people think of Twitter as a, is as a way for you to get your messages out there. And I don't think you should restrict yourself to that. Um, in fact, I reckon there's four ways that you can use it, and only one of them is about you sending stuff out there. And so if I can describe the four, I reckon one is to deepen your domain, broaden your field, expand your network, or share your thoughts. So deepen your domain is about you being an expert. So if you're an expert about something, that you've got a domain of expertise. And deepening your domain just means becoming more of an expert. So it, it means like, you know, like follow smart people who are also experts in your field. Read what they say. So um, look at the, the blog posts that other people or the, the URLs and the articles that other people send and follow them through. So that's probably the way that I use Twitter the most. I watch what other people are saying and go and follow the websites and the articles that they send me to. And I learn a lot and I get, and I get to see what's happening in the world because other people are sending that to me. Okay, right. 
Um, so the next one, broadening your field, is following other people in your field. So your field is the other the other experts. So this is about collaboration. So um, again, it's about following other people, um, retweeting, which is taking their messages and forwarding them to your network, so that um, you, you're filtering that. So the information that you receive, you don't pass everything on, but the stuff that you think is valuable, you'll pass on. Um, send messages in to them directly, just connect with them. So you might choose to get off Twitter and send an email to them or visit their blog and make a comment on their blog or even you know, get their phone number and talk to them or even have a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, so the third thing is expanding your network, which is your, like the, the, your friends, your colleagues, your clients, uh, prospects if you're in business. So this is inviting people to be to be following you. So I had a speak to a client of mine this morning and she's going to send out a newsletter today saying, hey, I'm on Twitter. If you're not sure what Twitter is, start by following me. And so she's going to publish a couple of examples of her tweets in her newsletter and then give links to her Twitter page so people can start following her. And the, the idea is to just keep giving them value, give them more and more value uh, rather than just constantly promoting stuff. And only after you do all of that do you go into sharing your thoughts, which is actually you starting to tweet your own stuff. As you say, Arj Barker sends uh, funny stuff out there. You might send you know, wise comments. Not you personally, Chris. But I might do <laughs> one day. <laughs> wise, wiser people might send wise comments. You might link to your blog posts. You might find articles that you like and you'd, you send links to them. Um, so that's when you start tweeting. And I, look, I, I think there's one rule. If you follow this rule, then you'll make your Twitter experience more valuable than probably any, anything else that I can advise. And that is this. Tweet what you're thinking, not what you're doing. So Twitter, in fact, says, what are you up to? And so people say silly things. Uh, like Arch Barker will say, I'm just about to go on stage. Um, <laughs> Not very useful, and people would say things like just about to go and do the laundry or eating a great burger. Whereas I think if you, what you should be doing is tweeting what you're thinking, so that what actually other people read is what's going on inside your head, not everything that's going on, but the stuff that you're thinking is more valuable than what you're doing. That said, I do have another friend of mine, and she's Gen Y. And she says she loves hearing what people are up to because it feels like she's more connected to them. So she likes knowing that people are you know, at a bus stop or doing their laundry or whatever because she feels like she's got a more personal connection. Sure, yeah, and I think that's perhaps the difference between um, using it in a purely social uh, social way versus perhaps using it in a way that is a bit more professional. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think that's right. If you, if you can do it in a professional way, then you really do want to tweet what you're thinking because people don't really care what you're doing and they'll, they'll unfollow you because they just haven't got the time. Yes, I think we were talking about this earlier. You used an application called TweetDeck, and and you were saying that you it shows you the 50 most recent tweets, um, which amounts to about only 30 minutes, the last 30 minutes of tweets. So that's uh, how prolific some tweeters are, and also indicates that you're following a large number of people. Yeah, I think we should talk about that. So in, in terms of setting up Twitter, it's very easy to set up. So you go to twitter.com, and it just asks you to sign up there, and it's free. It takes you about five minutes to sign up, and there you've got it up and running. And you can do everything from the Twitter homepage. So even though you mentioned earlier, Chris, that people use their mobile phone to send tweets, and you mentioned this software that I use called TweetDeck, you don't need any of that. All you need is an internet connection and a web browser, and you can do everything from the Twitter homepage. 
But the problem is that it's, you just get everything. So it's a little bit unfiltered and a little bit hard to manage. So you'd, you'd want to have some sort of filtering service in place. And I use this free software called TweetDeck, which you can get from TweetDeck.com, I think it is. Um, and you use something else. You use something that match, that fits into Facebook. Uh, yes. So when it comes to posting, um, I use a tool called Bitly, B-I-T dot L-Y dot com. Um, and one of the things that Bitly does is if you want to post a URL, it tries transforms it into a different kind of URL that's much more, which is much shorter, more concise, um, which helps you to uh, save space when you've only got 140 characters to use. Um, there are other services like tinyurl.com, which also serves that purpose of shortening URLs to a more concise um, format. Um, and the other advantage of using Bitly is that it tracks the number of people who've linked, who've clicked on your particular link, so you can actually see what kind of traffic uh, your tweets are generating. Yeah, that's a really important point because you have got that 140 character maximum, and many of the links you've, that you post will be long because they, they might be a blog post, so it's quite long and would take up all that space. And so, yeah, you need to use something that'll shorten it. And a tweet deck has a link to Bitly so that I can just paste in a, a URL and it'll automatically shorten it for me. But you're right about the tracking as well. So if you're doing this for marketing purposes, you can see which links people are clicking on. And that's true of the Bitly site in general, isn't it? It's not just with Twitter. It's, a, it's one of the features of, of Bitly. And something else that um, I use, uh, you mentioned before, is um, using posts to Twitter, so my tweets, getting them um, to update my Facebook status. Now, one thing that uh, neither of us advocate is having all of your tweets being um, used to update your Facebook status, and uh, we can talk about that in a moment. So I use a particular Facebook application called Selective Twitter, and that um, allows me to specify which tweets actually end up in Facebook, and I just append a little hash FB uh, to each of my tweets that I actually want to appear on Facebook. Pre pre uh, using a hash in front of a word is called a hashtag, and we'll talk about those in a moment as well. Yeah, so we'll talk about the hashtags and the searching because that's one of the most powerful features of Twitter. But it's, it's interesting, the thing about Facebook and Twitter, Chris, like I never update my Facebook status with a, with a tweet because um, coming back to the thing that I said earlier, if, it, if Facebook is for a different circle of friends than mm -hmm. my Twitter feed, um, it's almost never relevant. Occasionally it is, where I might, like recently I posted a video that I created, just kind of an inspirational video, which was as relevant for my professional network as my personal networks so in that sense it does make sense for me to have the uh, the same message on both of them. But I would just rather go into Facebook and write a separate message anyway, so maybe a slightly more personal one uh, that tells them why it's relevant for them, even if I'm sending them to the same place. So there are tools that will let you do both. So you can update. In fact, you can update your every time you post a blog post, it will automatically send the subject of that to your Twitter feed and to your Facebook status update. So you're updating your blog, Facebook, and Twitter all at the same time. Um, but I think this, that the problem is that it's almost never relevant for all three of them. Um, and also some people say, well, that's kind of destroying the whole purpose of it because what's going to happen is that people are going to be ending up just posting and no one's going to be out there reading stuff. All they're going to be doing is posting. Um, so let's talk about the search thing because Twitter has got a search feature and unlike Google, when you search Google, I mean, you get great information, but it's a little bit out of date because Google has to go around the internet searching for new websites, new web pages and put them into its database and it's never completely up to date. Whereas Twitter, because everything goes to the Twitter website, it's got a complete database of every tweet that everyone sent 
ever in the last you know, Twitter has been running for three years now if, if it's got a very powerful search tool it means that it can search in real time so as things are happening you can search Twitter and you can see what people are saying live as they're saying them. In fact, if you do a search on Twitter, you'll find that as you're reading through the list of results, it'll give you an update saying, hey, 20, 20 more new results have come in since you started that search. So how do hashtags fit into the uh, search mechanism that Twitter provides? As far as I can tell, there's nothing magic about it. So the hashtag is where you just we use the hash character on your keyboard and then some letters after it, some combination of letters and numbers. And, and all it is is just a search word. As far as I can tell, I don't think there's anything magic about it. It just means that if everybody agrees to use this same tag, then it's easy for people to find. For example, I attended the National Speakers Association of Australia conference at, in March in Sydney, and one of the people who was tweeting quite a lot about it, she wasn't somebody on a committee, it wasn't part of the official conference organizing committee, she was just tweeting about the conference, and she said, hey guys, why don't we, if we're tweeting about this conference, let's use the hashtag NSAA09. National Speakers Association 09 conference and so that every time somebody was tweeting if they used uh, you know, something about the conference they'd use that hash that little sequence of characters at the end of their post and it meant that if you went to Twitter and did a search for that se sequence of characters you just see everybody who was you know who's tweeting about the conference uh, and you see all their messages all in one place so I think it's just a convenient way of gathering all the information together um, and if you use it you don't have to use the hash, you could just use something else, but then there's a danger that it gets mixed up with other keywords that other people okay. are using the same keyword for some other reason. So it's just a convention for specifying keywords in tweets? I think so. You know, there may be tools now, like you mentioned, that Facebook tool that now looks for that particular hashtag and then takes, it, takes advantage of it in some way, but I don't think Twitter itself does. I think it's just a convention that people have, have created over time. Okay. Now, previously you mentioned replying and retweeting and sending direct messages through Twitter. So what are they all about? Okay, so a reply, and this is one thing you've got to be careful about, a reply is like reply all. So it's like getting an email and you click reply all and everybody in your address book gets that same email on Twitter. Everyone on your network, all your followers get that tweet. So that's, it, so it sounds like an individual reply, but it's actually a group reply. Um, the direct message is where you send a message to somebody individually and only they get it and nobody else in the network gets it. And the other thing I mentioned was the retweet. Retweet is like forward. It's a really valuable thing actually. So uh, if you send me something and I think it's worth passing on, then I will just retweet it, which just means that everyone in my network gets exactly the same message, but with the letters RT in front. Just like if I forward an email, you get it with the, word, with the letters FWD in front. Um, and the value of that is that now my network gets exposure to you, Chris, and that means that they can start following you if they find that valuable as well. So retweeting is a really good way to expand your network and share the experience that you get from the people you're following with the people who are following you. Right, okay. And with replying, that's fairly straightforward. On the Twitter web page, there's actually a, a link to click on that will compose a reply, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. And I think uh, there should be a reply button, a retweet button, and a direct message button, either on the Twitter web page if you're using Twitter directly, or on TweetDeck or whatever, whatever other software that you're using. The only thing that's a little bit odd is that sometimes people who see Twitter for the first time, they see these messages and they look very cryptic because they've got these RTs and at signs and uh, DM and they just 
they just kind of they just can't interpret it. But it it once you understand that RT is retweet and uh, the at sign is like an e- like an at in an email address, it's just part of your Twitter username. That's pretty much all you need to know. Right. Okay. Now, a bit of Twitter etiquette. Um, I've only recently started using Twitter, and um, already I've got uh, well a relatively large band of uh, followers. Um, and most of them are people that I don't know. So I've, uh, when I joined up, I followed you. I looked through the list of people that you followed and started following them. And then I started tweeting. And lo and behold, complete random strangers started following me. Now, I've heard that there's a, an expectation or, or some Twitter etiquette that suggests that if someone follows you, then the polite thing to do is start following them. But um, that's not something I've done. Yes, yeah, I disagree with that that rule. And there's some people who kind of, believe that that should be the case, that if, if you start following, or if they start following you, you should follow them in return. But I, I just don't think that makes sense, because if you're following somebody because you're interested in what they're saying, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true the other way around. So I have people following me because they know that I'm going to send out useful information about the internet and about technology and the speaking business, but I might not be interested in what they're saying. And it's completely normal. It's just like you sign up to somebody's newsletter. doesn't necessarily mean that they should sign up to yours. So I don't necessarily agree with that, although you will find some people who expect that, and they will a couple of days later unfollow you if you haven't followed them back in return. And there's some software out there which will actually check that to say, who are you following that haven't followed you in return, and should you unfollow them? So if you're talking about a circle of friends, so you're talking about people that you're kind of at the same level in terms of the content that you're sharing, then yeah, that kind of makes sense. But if you're talking about you're following an expert because you're interested in what they're saying, it doesn't necessarily mean that an expert should be equally interested in what you're saying. So you're suggesting Kevin Rudd and Malcolm Turbull have no interest in what I'm tweeting about? (laughs) Well, they should, but they don't. (laughs) Well, they're following me, but yeah, perhaps they're not taking heed of what I'm saying. I did say expert, Chris. Right. That's right. So there is a little bit of like Twitter etiquette around that. Another really interesting piece of Twitter etiquette is there's a website, how to use Twitter for marketing and PR.com. And if you visit that site, it's just one page. In fact, it's one word, and it says don't. Right. Um, And I think that's generally true. So Twitter is for conversation. So it's kind of like earning the right to then do marketing and PR in other ways. So I tell my clients that they shouldn't be constantly referring people back to their, their website, their own website, or they shouldn't constantly be promoting stuff that they're doing. Um, They should use Twitter to demonstrate their expertise and show that they're, they're worth following in other ways. And then people will naturally look them up, go to their blog or their website or sign up to their newsletter. And then you have the permission to do to do marketing. That said, there are some organizations that are actually actively marketing on Twitter. So um, United Airlines has recently started uh, sending out tweets with special offers just to Twitter followers saying, we've got these fares on special and sign up in the next or call us in the next hour and you get, you know, you get these special fares and they're only available to people following us on Twitter. So there are people doing that already and so there's no cut-and-dried rule. Uh, it depends on what sort of brand you've got, what sort of relationship you've got with the people that, that follow you. All right, so what should we suggest people do next then? 
Well, I think the, the thing to do is to start off by just trying it out. And we've said this before with, with a lot of the technologies that we've spoken about, you really have to experience it to understand how you can get the most value from it. And we can, we can talk about some ways that you can get value, but not everything applies to everybody. So the first thing to do is to go to twitter.com if you haven't already and sign up. Then I suggest you look for Gihan Pereira and Chris Padney and start following us. And in the, in the show notes for this, podcast will include the links to that so if you can go to the blog and click directly to that follow us um, not only because we say wonderful things but also because you can then have a look at the people we're following and you can follow them as well and remember there's really no cost to following somebody if you you can try it out and if you don't like what they're sending then just unfollow and you'll never hear from them again um, and uh, look, I, I think the best metaphor for twitter is twitter is a magnifying glass so if you're really good at networking then you'll find Twitter to be a really good networking tool. So I have a client who went from 80 to 600 followers in a week, but that's because she's a, just a natural networker and she does it in real life as well. She just has lots and lots of connections. So for her, Twitter was a brilliant networking tool. For me, I love learning and just becoming better at my area of expertise and getting different perspectives from people. So like I like the deepening my domain and broadening my field. So I use Twitter as that. And uh, also for sharing my thoughts from time to time. But don't just automatically assume that just because you've got Twitter, you can use it for everything. It's really a good way to magnify the things that you're already doing well in your business or your personal life. Um, and by doing it that way, first of all, you, you'll do things the right way almost naturally because you're used to that. And second, it, it doesn't become a burden because you're doing the stuff that you would naturally do in the real world. You're just doing it on Twitter as well. Great. So, um, as yes, so just echoing your thoughts that it's really simple to use and it's also a lot of fun. Find some people who you enjoy following and, and uh, follow some of the links that they provide and uh, you get a great deal of entertainment and value from those as well. It's really easy to use. So uh, in a couple of weeks, Gihan, we'll record another podcast. You'll be in Prague. I'll be back from Rotnest. So speak to you then. Will do. Thanks very much, Chris. Bye. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.